So everyone, you jump up in, um, jump up, no, don't jump up, um, jump quickly to grab your Bibles or your apps or your bit of parchment or whatever you, is your Bible, and open up to Joshua chapter 4. Um, last week in our mega series, Luke, he took us through um, uh, the life of Caleb, and he walked us through uh, Caleb's great faith in the Lord, despite all human hesitancies and different things that were confronting him. So this week we're going to um, take that Caleb's faith idea that we were sort of encouraged to look into and to walk in last week. We're going to take that faith and we're going to put some enablers on it, so maybe some arms and some legs and different things of how do we get to this point, okay, of this, this great faith that Caleb had. So we're going to do this through looking at our next man today. This guy's name is Joshua. Funny that, hey, open up the book of Joshua and we learn about Joshua. This guy, this guy. Okay, so Joshua, who was he? He was um, probably the replacement for Moses. We know that. Um, he's kind of like a general and he sort of moves the people around in their conquest of, the, of this promised land that God's given to the people and that God then moves them into. Um, Joshua and Caleb were two spies together. You remember they are part of the original 12 that Moses... Um, sent into the land to spy it out. And they're the only two dudes that came back actually confident in God's ability to be able to uh, fight for them. Yeah? So this is who our Joshua is. And Allah pretty much, okay, all everything Luke said last week about Joshua and Caleb and the, the doubts with the people and the, uh, you know, this, that and everything else. So there's lots that we could look at in this Joshua guy. There's lots of sort of parallels that we could pull out of his life. But I want us to focus on this really strange practice that Joshua has of stone pile building. Yeah? It's odd. Not many people think about this. Okay? But I want us to look at this making piles of stones business. Okay? And it seems strange that, you know, something as simple as just piling some rocks up and making a pile of stones is something that we could understand God more through. Okay? But see, God, despite His infinite complexity loves giving us simple things. He loves giving us simplicity to help us understand who He is because we have small minds. Some of you think you're pretty smart, but newsflash, you don't. Steve, I'm looking at you. <laughs> Just joking. So anyway, let's jump in. Let's read our, our, our passage today, Joshua chapter 4. We're going to read uh, fairly big chunks of it today. Um, context, The people here are walking across the flooded Jordan River into the promised land. The priests are carrying the ark. The priests have put their feet down near the water and the waters, the the Jordan River at this point in time is in flood. So, you know, a torrent of water. The priests have come down and this this flood of water has just started backing up, up the river, okay? It started, what the Bible says, is piling up, okay? So, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant, God's sort of physical presence of for the people is in the middle of the river. The people are walking through the river on dry ground. Sounds a little bit familiar. Hey, where have we heard this before? Previous generation, leaving the Red Sea, leaving Egypt. Okay, so let's read chapter 4, verse 1. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people from each tribe and command them saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. 
Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. Okay, so we've got this one bloke from each tribe given this probably unenviable task of dredging out a massive river stone out of the riverbed uh, and putting it on his shoulder. So note that it's on his shoulder. So how do you carry big rocks on your shoulders? You don't sort of, they're not like little things like this. You know, they're decent sized ones up on their shoulders. So that's what these guys are doing. They're dragging them out to take with them where they're going to camp for the night. Let's continue on. Why are they doing this? This is a strange thing to do. Why? Verse 6, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. All right, so there'd be a physical memory a reminder, a conversation piece, whatever you want to talk, call it, of the time that God stopped these floodwaters and brought the people into their land. Okay, That's what these 12 stones are for. Let's keep reading. Verse 8. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded them and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Now, this is a cool thing. Another stone pile. And Joshua, verse 9, And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they're there to this day. Okay, so not only has Joshua brought 12 stones up out of the river, and he's keeping them with them, but he's also put stones, or at least made a pile of stones in the river where the, where, the priests, where the priests are. So that in the future, people go, is there a pile of rocks in the river? How'd that get there? And then they're going to ask the question and whoever's with them then has the opportunity to say, yeah, you know, this is where God brought his people through into this land. Okay? It's these, this pile of rocks that Joshua's put in the river is kind of like... Um, the flag on the moon, all right? It proves that someone was at this seemingly impossible place, okay? So that's what that is. So we've got 12 stones pulled out of the river and we've got a pile of stones put in the river. Let's go down a little bit and we'll pick up um, verse 15 and we'll read to the end. And the Lord said to Joshua, command the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. So the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took up out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? 
then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So here we have this river comes flowing back in when the priests walk out of it. And they're carrying the ark and these 12 stones that they've pulled out, they set them up at this, and they set up a memorial in this locality called Gilgal. Now, what's Gilgal? What is Gilgal? What's this place called Gilgal? If you read, which I'm hoping you all go and do, uh, the rest of the book of Joshua, you know, that's the whole idea with this mega series. Like we can only just focus on one little bit of these guys' lives. It's up to you guys to then just go and read around it and understand the whole picture. So go and read the full book of Joshua and you'll understand that Gilgal is actually sort of this place that becomes like base camp. Okay, It sort of becomes their base of operations that the children operate out of in their conquest of the land. They go out from this place to come back to this. They go out and conquer some more and then come back. Okay, so Gilgal is command central, yeah? We got that. So base camp, command central, has a pile of river stones in it, okay? That's set up to remind the people of God's faithfulness of bringing them through the river. And then, as a second proof to that, there is a pile of stones actually in the river. So if there's any kids, they grow up, they didn't actually experience the river crossing themselves and they're asking their parents, they're like, you know, what, what, what is this you keep talking about with God, you know, getting us through, you know, is he even real or, you know, what's going on? Or if there's new sojourner, people that actually go, hey, Israel's got something, I'm going to jump in with them, I'm going to throw all in, I'm going to join this people, but they're a bit unsure about things. They start asking these questions, they go, what's this pile of rocks here? And then they can be direct, that's opening up as a question to say, hey, God was faithful, God got us through the river. And they say, okay, how? They can take them to their river and they say, see that pile of rocks in the river? That's where we came through, okay? That second pile of rocks is like a backup proof kind of thing. So this starts Joshua's whole, um, uh, this starts like, a, like almost like a tradition kind of thing of Joshua going around this stone pile building thing that Joshua does as, as they go around in the land. Because you notice Jericho, what was Jericho? A massive walled city, wasn't it? What's in walls? Probably lots of rocks, <laughs> stones, great work, Nadine, stone walls, big stone walls. Exactly. So when God crushes this city into the ground using sound waves, maybe from trumpets, who knows? But anyway, God does this, obviously, because we know no sound waves don't destroy walls, unless they're super, super, super loud. Hey, Gabe. Um, when God crushes Jericho into the ground, what's it left as? It's left as a pile of rubble, isn't it? It's like a big stone. And then there's this guy, and, and they're told not to take anything out of Jericho, like everything's devoted to the Lord in this place. But there is this dude called Achan, and what does he do? He steals some stuff out of the ruins of Jericho. When he's found out through a series of, you know, this tribe, this family, this clan, you know, and, they fought, and, and God shows them it's actually Achan, 
Achan's dragged in and everything he has and owns is destroyed and burnt. And what's piled on top of him? Another pile of rocks put on top of Achan's burnt remains. And then there's this, there's this city called Ai, okay? And there's this king of Ai. And when the Israelites actually take this city and it's destroyed, they do this great trickery kind of thing, you know, the, 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 uh, the troops are sort of dragged out of the city and the Israelites come in and, and sack the joint while they're out and then they're sort of caught in the, between this two places and they're sort of, the troops of Ai, they're, they're sort of massacred in open field kind of thing. They get the king of Ai and when he is killed, his body is thrown into the city gates of this destroyed city and what's piled on top of him? More stones, exactly. So you see all these, as, as they go through their conquest, these piles of stones popping up. And these, these stones, they, piles of stones, they all become reminders, okay? They become memorials of God's power over nature and over men, okay? So that nothing can stand, this is, they're constant reminders of what not to do, and how powerful God is over everything. Because you, you, you see that the first memorials, the first stone piles, they were reminders that God's powerful over nature, okay, over this flooded Jordan River. And then the next one, like what Jericho ends up as, this massive pile of rubble, God's victorious and powerful over fortified cities and over sly lying thieves like Achan and over powerful foreign kings like the king of Ai and all his powerful forces in his powerful city, okay? So they become reminders of God's faithfulness and dominance over these things. So it's a powerful reminder for the people as they're doing their conquest. So all that to say, this is where I want us to hitch our wagon to the Caleb train that Luke started last week. Okay, so we looked at Caleb and all these massive like faith that he had, his full like sold outness kind of faith. So I want to take this idea that of Caleb's faithfulness that Lukey did, I think, a great job of explaining to us last week. Understand this is his crazy sold-out faithfulness in the face of all um, the crazy odds that the world from, that would be coming against him from a world's perspective. And I want us to um, adopt this kind of faith. Go out and do it. But how do we do this? Like, how do we do this? Like, is there a massive disconnect between hearing about a guy that's got huge amounts of faith and actually saying, hey, Gabe, can you go out and just be as faithful as Caleb? Or Alan, can you go and just be as faithful as Caleb? Or Ruth, can you just go and be as faithful as Caleb, please? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, see you later. Like, this is really hard, hey? And if you're anything like me, you really struggle to actually throw everything aside in pursuit of this great faith in following Christ. Hey. Or yeah, or no, nah, or am I the only one who's struggling with this? Nadine's nodding. That's great. I'm, I'm glad for one listener. Yes, Ruth, thumbs up. Yes, absolutely. So yes, we, we struggle with this, okay? So we, we, we find it hard to take a leap into here. Where do we move from here? So this is where we start, okay? We're stark believing lies of the world, believing the things that the world tells us that we should keep a certain amount of our income for ourselves and that we should live a comfortable, great life. We, we, tell, we believe the lies the world tells us that we, we shouldn't actually make people uncomfortable by telling them about Jesus. We believe um, the lies that the culture sort of tells us that we've got to look a certain way for our Instagram and our sex culture, but then we've, we, we're also then not allowed to... Um, 
have anxiety issues coming out of that. Like we're not allowed to suffer from appearance anxieties. We're just meant to bottle all that up in the pursuit of being approved and chasing people's affections and approvals. It's ridiculous. These are the problems that the world gives us, okay? And we want to, like, we held back actually by these ideas, but then, and then God comes along and he says, you're more blessed to give than to receive. Okay? And, and he comes along and he says, tell the whole world about me. And he comes along and he says, I love you just as you are. Like, you're, you're my child. And he comes along and he says, don't be anxious about anything, but, but come and tell me. Talk to me about anything. Like, bring your worries to me. Your concerns concern me too. So inside us, as Christians, our hearts go, yes, that's God. That's what I want. I want to do that. Yes. And we want to throw in for that. But then there's the world's like, holding us back. And we get stuck. And it's so hard to throw ourselves out there. It's so hard to just follow the Lord, you know, unhindered and just, but how great would it be? How much would we want to do that? But how hard is it to do that? That's a good party trick, that one. If that comes through on the recording, that'll be cool. So if we're to step out into this trusting God and following Him headlong kind of thing, then where do we begin with this? Like, where does our focus point, uh, where is our focus point for doing this? Now, I know some of you Bible nerds are probably already thinking in your head, ha-ha, you know, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Like, ha, got you. Okay, congratulations, you made it. You won, Okay. But just throwing out sort of glib, exactly Nadine, how? Throwing out just glib verses like that just doesn't, doesn't help us. We all need to come on this journey. So let's do this journey of understanding this faith thing through these piles of stones. Because I find it really interesting, actually, that the first thing that God gets Joshua to do when they're in the new land, as soon as they've crossed the Jordan, is to build this pile of memorial stones. The very first thing. It's the first thing that he gets them to do. They're carried to the base camp of, and, and set up in Gilgal because God knows how quick we are to forget amazing things. Like, you know this in yourself. Like, think of the, 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 the most exciting experiences you've ever had in your life. Now, I bet you're struggling to recall the feelings of awe and the feelings of elation that you had at that point. Okay, you know you had that experience but you're struggling to actually understand really what it was. Hey, it's hard, but we forget great and amazing things. So God institutes this building of a memorial to remind us, to remind the children of Israel what he's done for them. Okay, it's a strange, strange object. Okay, we think of a pile of rocks, might not be that strange, but where they're camped, this is a pile of smooth probably once slimy river rocks. These rocks are, are rubbed smooth from spending their you know, the long lives at the bottom of a river. They're out of place here. They don't belong where they're setting up in Gilgal. Like the Israelites, they're not camping in a riverbed. They're camping up in mountains. So there's, there's this pile of river rocks. What sort of things does that trigger in their mind as they see this every day? So setting up this memorial is genius on... Two, for two reasons. First reason is because 
when people who didn't experience the crossing of the river and people who didn't experience all the great wonders that God did for them, they ask about, hey, what's that about? What's this pile of river rocks doing here? And then it opens up this opportunity. That question then becomes a portal that the person who's explaining this to this new person, a child, a sojourner or whatever, can then say, yeah, this was that time. Let me tell you about our faithful God. Let me tell you about this time when God got us through the river. Okay? So it opens up that whole idea. And then the second reason that this is a genius whole thing is because when that person who is explaining the story to them, subconsciously in their mind, they're going, yeah, God is great. God got us through a flooded river. And it's reinforcing in their mind the great works that God has done for them. Okay? So that's the second reason why this is great. See, our human minds, we, we need to be helped into being confident in future things by looking at past things. That's just the way our human mind works. Like we are, we're finite sort of creatures. We're stuck in this cage that is getting dragged through time. Like I can't go back into it and I can't go forward into it. I'm stuck in this present jail cell kind of thing. That's just the way time works. It's, it's a very interesting phenomenon, but... <laughs> Indeed, cue the laughter. It is, it, is, it is super strange. But we are stuck in this, in this time and that's just the way we view time. We, we're confident in what's happened in the past and then that is sort of some indication of what's to happen in the future. Like That's how science experiments work. We expect the, world to, the laws of physics to stay the same. As we do expect God to stay exactly the same because our God is an unchanging God. He's the same, you know, as Hebrew says, Jesus Christ, same yesterday, today and forever. That's, that's right. That's into the future. Okay? So we can look at past performance and we can pull that forward and that is a reasonable way to view the future. We can expect a God who was pulled through in the past to pull through in the future. We can expect that. This is what these memorials are for. These are the looking back element of it. Okay? So yeah, so it's this remembering that's what's happened in the past helps us unlock this attitude of confidence in walking into the future, okay? So these stone memorials that Joshua set up for the people as a reminder of what God's done for them to help their attitude and their attitude around to what God will do for them in the future, in this new land, okay? We on board. Amens. Thanks, Luke. So... Every time they walk past that smooth pile of river rocks, they're reminded God got us through a river and that God will continue to get them through what he has called them into. See, I like to apply this to my own life in, um, in a memorial stone that's come up, coming up a little bit. Sarge, I love how you were talking about you know, how buying a house is just like the crappest thing in the world. Um, I love how you talked about that in the intro, man, because houses are a whole lot of drama, aren't they, bro? So much drama. And I remember, like, this is a memorial stone in my life. I remember it's back to the events and things that took place to get Camille and I down here at the end of 2010. We've been down here eight years now, praise the Lord. Um, it's been great. It's almost really worked out well for us. We're sorry to see you go, Kat. We hope that you hang around for eight years further, more. So we'll pray to get you a job. Um, but 
when we were going through, like when, like I had my interview for my job down here in June, we didn't end up moving down here until November. Everything just seems like so dragged out and everything took so long to happen. And there was just like, where are we going to get the money from? Oh, there you go, the money just arrived. That's great. And, but when looking back on it now, this is my memorial stone that I look on. I look back to that time now and I think, hey, everything did work together really, really crazy well. Because we were able to take over a lease of a lady who'd hurt her back. She couldn't climb the stairs of this rental that we moved into. She had to move out on the Tuesday. We took it over on the Saturday, so she wasn't left high and dry having to pay rent for a joint that she wasn't using. Um, you know, this house was like, I don't know, like what we could afford. They took a dog and a cat. It had a good fenced yard. It's just suited us fine. It was just like a little tiny two-bedroom, a bedroom for Camille and I, and the bedroom for our junk. Um, it was just a great little place. It suited us so well. But every, and the timing came together perfectly. So I hold that in my mind as a memorial stone of a time when God really came through for me. And now, as we go through the rubbish time with our current house around renovations and delays with banks and builders and plans and approvals and all this sort of stuff, the delay, I've got confidence that God will still continue to get me through. And he'll still like, be faithful into the future as he has in the past. And even like this last week, like we were talking about in, in prayer and share, which well, prayer and share is kind of like a memorial stone, isn't it? We look back at the week that we've just had and we, 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 we consider all God's faithfulness that he's brought us through for the week that we've had. And we trust him then to get us through the next one. It's like our Thanksgiving meal. I know Tim and Tiff aren't here, but I really wanted to publicly just give them a clap because of how, the great thing that they pulled together on Wednesday night. But it helped us. Now, 2018's, for lots of us, probably been a pretty trash year, but there's been so much good that God has done in that year. And to think about it is a great thing. It's good to just set in our minds these times when God has been faithful. Because then, because I'm confident that God will then get us through the next year until our next Thanksgiving church family dinner, like November 2019, I think. Yes. Or 2020. We're going to go two years without it. So, memorializing, memorializing, is that a word? Yes. Memorializing the times that God's proved himself faithful is pleasing to him. Yeah? And it's good for us for growing our faith. I wonder, we talked about earlier the problems in our, like the lies that our culture tells us. You know, we've got to got to hoard our cash, we've got to have investments, we've got to, we've got to have a certain level of lifestyle, we've got to have this. I wonder if we'd be much, um, much more likely to sort of be free of that or to give generously if we had a memorial stone in our mind of a time when we were actually really generous in giving away something to somebody who was really struggling and really needed it and God just bought amazing things out of it. Like, I wonder if we had a memorial stone like that, whether we'd be more able to free ourselves from our stuff and give more of our stuff away. Or I wonder if, if we had a memorial stone in our minds of a time when the Holy Spirit like, moved really powerfully and helped you open your mouth to talk to someone about Jesus and what he's done in your life. I wonder if you had a clear memory of like, yes, Lord, you helped me through that. I wonder if then you'd be more likely to go, hey, this is Jesus. This is the guy who saved me. And, you know, this is my life now. Like, I wonder if we'd, I wonder if we'd be more keen to just open our mouths 
and say that to people. If we had those stuck memories in our minds of a time when God actually really helped us through that. And I wonder if, and this is the big one because we're all subjected to this, but in our culture of appearance, like in our appearance culture, okay, I wonder if, if we really had a clear, hard, clear memory of a time when God's love felt so real to us, so real to us. And we felt, in that moment, we felt completely known, completely exposed, completely loved, despite everything that's going on in your mind, despite your body, whatever problems you've got with yourself, but that God adores you. That moment that you knew that, if you had that locked away in your mind, would that free you when Instagram and, you know, like our sex culture and says, you've got to look a certain way, you've got to act a certain way, you've got to be this certain way. I wonder if you'd be more freed to just let that water off a duck's back kind of thing. I wonder. So maybe this week, as we like, just think and bed down memories when God really pulled through for you, when God was so faithful in your life. Could be, you know, some of us, you can draw from, you know, 50 years of memories. Some of us, some of us can probably just draw on, you know, Two years of memories, maybe, you know? But bed it in your mind, write it down, you know? Make a memorial about this time so that you can um, think back on this and that you can, be, you can walk more faithfully into the future, more confident. Like prayer journals. Prayer journals are a great one of this. Like, you know, you document what you pray for and then you mark off when God answers your prayers. Does anyone keep any of these? Yeah, I always have got good intentions too. Never, never actually do it. Whether it's, you know, like an Evernote note on your phone or something or whether it's actually, you know, actually writing inside a prayer closet or whatever because I know everyone has one of those. I know Rick's got one. He goes in there, hides away from the world. But you know what I mean? Like imagine them being able to just tick those off and then a growing list of the things that God has provided for you. How would that affect your faith walk going forwards? It's be pretty cool. Maybe just set up a conversation piece in your house for a time when God set up, you know, when God actually got you through a really hard time when God was ultimately, when he moved unmistakably and he was really faithful or whether he helped you get over like a particular sin struggle that you were going through or something. So it's a conversation piece. People come into your house or your kids and they go, hey, what's that? That's weird. What is it? And you can, then you've got the opportunity. Hey, hey, this happened. How great is my God? My God is faithful. This is the idea. It's not an idol in any way, okay? It's just a memorial of God's faithfulness, okay? That's the idea. Whether it's a physical thing, whether it's a memory, just lock them away. Because these memorials, they cause us to look back and remember, and they're important for how we look to and walk into the future, okay? So look back at them often. Remember God's past faithfulness. Remember the trajectory that it looks like he's got you on, okay? Remember that trajectory and then use that as fuel to continue trusting him into the future with the next step that you're to take in him. Now, on this topic of memorials, we're going to drive hard into the point, okay? Just as we're just going to finish here, okay? We... We as Christians, we get to partake in the greatest memorial 
right now. You know what we're talking about? This is a meal that Jesus set up as a reminder of his own death. Okay, it's communion. We, we, this is our memorial. This is a memorial stone of Jesus' death and resurrection that gives us life. We do it every week. Will I burn? Have we thought of it like that? See, in that, in that last meal that Jesus had with his disciples before he was murdered, his great death happened that would give life to the whole, like everyone in the world, if they, if they accept him. In that meal, Jesus grabbed some bread and he tore it and he said, this is my body. And taking that cup of like vine, juice, wine, whatever, he passed it around and he said, drink of it, all of you, all right? This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And Paul, in, when talking to the Corinthian church, who had this all so messed up, okay? He reminds them, look, this is a memorial stone. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. This is a memorial, Okay? So Willow Burn, this is, this is our stone pile this morning that we get to come to and remember our Lord and Saviour Christ Jesus died to bring us back into oneness with God. So come to the stone memorial now. Come to this meal, this memorial that Jesus has set up for himself and remember our King Jesus who's died to pave the way into the promised land for us. The ultimate fulfilment of the promised land, being one with him. So come to the table now and remember him.